Welcome. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Marketing Mind. On this show, I have conversations with my friends in digital marketing. These experts are the best in their fields. We dive deeper into what makes them tick, how they got to where they are, and where they see themselves going, and where they see the future of marketing going. My name is John Ellis. I'm a marketing professional. I've been in digital marketing for close to 20 years now. And in that time, I've met a lot of great people and a lot of great experts. You can find me on Twitter every day discussing marketing, joining the conversation, or just ask me a digital marketing question. If I can't help you, I know an expert who can. Find me on Twitter at John W. Ellis. Thank you so much for the response and the comments on the last episode. We took a holiday slash end of year break, but we are back in 2020. Today, I looked inside the marketing mind of Steve Hammer, uh, president of Ringhammer. Steve is an established expert in digital marketing. And unlike many of the other marketers I have talked to, Steve offers a full service suite of online solutions. And that topic has come up over the last few episodes, whether it's the best to focus on one area or go broader with more marketing, a full suite. So that's where we started our conversation. Um, even though I speak on, on PPC and, and do all the stuff I do, uh, I think even more of my work is has been SEO and you know uh, CRO and, and all the other full suite of stuff. Um, I've always had the philosophy that the full suite is what wins. That's nature, if you will. Uh, forces me to do the full suite of things. It, it just, I, you know, I can't, I, I don't like the one quiver and one, uh, and one arrow sort of philosophy that, that some people have. Yeah. Do you do social as well? We do social. I don't do social posting as much. Um, we're just not a, we're not cost effective there, frankly. So we, we do a lot more, uh, paid social and, and the, and the placements that are, that are associated with that, but usually someone else is writing, writing what we're doing. We'll set the strategy for them. Right? Or anything along that line. I use the phrase force multiplier an awful lot. I do it for content creation. I do it for pretty much anything we do. And the idea is, um, I'll help you set the strategy, um, and I'll clean it up at the end. But you don't want me, you don't want my hourly rate for writing. You don't want my hourly rate for social posting. You don't want my hourly rate, um, to have to monitor your social feed. It's not feasible for most people. Yeah. And it, it's, it feels like it's getting to a point where we're just going to say, I'm just a marketer, not even taking the digital part out of it. Yeah. You know, that's, that, that's it. The only, the only thing I lack, um, I'd be happy to place, um, TV ads for folks. You know what I mean? I'd, I, I'd be happy to go do print. It's, it's well within my, uh, within my background. It's actually where I started in the industry. Um, I worked for a newspaper, uh, way back in the day when I, uh, got out of MBA school. That was my first job was working for a newspaper that was trying to figure out digital. So that was your sort of first job out of college just to work for a newspaper? First job out of grad school. So I actually started, uh, out of college as uh, a chemical engineer, which uh, sounds like a lie, but is not. I mean, from chemical engineer to where you are now, that's quite a leap. It, it's, it is, uh, it is a rapid and strong turn. Uh, on, on paper. It's less than it might otherwise seem though. I was doing most of the time, uh, was product development and scale up. So I was still, um, in the market research phase of stuff. I was still looking for, uh, what the customer insight was and, and trying to understand what the customer's needs were for the products we were developing. It, marketing was really the part of it that I enjoyed, not the engineering part of it. Uh, and, and so that was, that sent me back to school in the first place. And then, 
uh, you know, get an MBA, you can, you have that, uh, have that chance to reset your career. And as a teenager, then was, you must have thought engineering was where you were heading. Was that kind of where you thought your career was going? Obviously, you went to school for that. Yeah, it, you know, sometimes it's aptitude and interest and, and, and things that are like that. I was I was always really good at science. I was always really good at math. It, it, as weird as it was, as weird as it may sound, I was legitimately a mathlete, right? Like traveled all over the state, competed in state competitions for math. It sent me. It got me the motivation that 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 I needed. So you just sort of take your aptitude. And, and apply it. You're like, I'm good at science. I'm good at math. I'm good at this. And, uh, chemical engineering is a pretty good, good career path. Let me go, let me go down that road. It really makes sense to where you are now, though. Cause that, all that, for instance, all that math and all that analytics you do now, it really comes into play having that, that math mindset. It really does. To me, to me, the world is numbers. And, uh, I've always looked at, looked at things that way. I look at things in terms of scale. And understanding that, you know, the code behind things, you know, it's, it, it's probably one of the hardest decisions, you know, a 21 year old kid or has to make, right? Is like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life before they've even been exposed to much of life? Yeah. But it does feel like, even though you went a different direction of what you were thinking, it does feel like that, that all you need, you sort of, you sort of needed that to get you where you are now. It all, it all makes sense now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that entirely. And that's the funny thing about, about our lives, right? Even the bad decisions we make, and I'm not saying that I made a bad one, um, lead us to be the person that we are today. And you, you can't imagine life without some of those decisions. When did you hit the job market? Or when are we talking time wise? And the reason, I'm, the reason I'm getting at it, I mean, internet wasn't really a thing when we got out of college. I mean, it was around, but it wasn't like it was a huge, there was a huge job industry around it. It's funny the things that I look back and I didn't see, right? So Clemson, where I went, it was an early internet adopter. As, as quickly as we were at school, we had access to the internet, um, even though it wasn't what it was right now. I didn't see it as a business opportunity. I saw it as, you know, uh, a way to quite in, in some cases, literally play games with people across the country. I mean, how was life at Clemson? Did you, do you look back at it pretty fondly or was it, was it stressful and rough? No, I look at it very, very fondly. Um, I, I had a, a ton of fun there. The, the, the thing about Clemson was, uh, for anybody that's ever been there, and this is like a big ad for Clemson, I guess right now, uh, it, it's an amazingly, um, serene place. Like it's, it's in the foothills. It's, um, it's relatively calm. It's relatively isolated. I mean, you're, you're not really close to anything. And so you bond with people pretty well at, at a school like that. And you tend to have, uh, you know, a good amount of fun. So you, so you got out of college, went to, to grad school. How did you, and then you started working. Where did the, um, when, when did you meet your wife? <laughs> That's an interesting one. I have been with my wife since high school. Um, she's she's amazing. She's a uh, hundred times more charming than I'll ever dream of being. That sounds familiar because at heart, I'm probably more of an introvert. Uh, like when we do when we go to these events that you and I go to, and we do all these networking events, I go. Uh, but I'm not certainly not comfortable being there. I go because I have to be there because I know it's 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 how the business works, and I got to meet people, I got to shake hands, and see some old friends like like you. It's funny, you know. I have my I have my thing. I can I can speak in front of. 1500 people, no problem. Doesn't bother me one bit. Like, I don't even get nervous. It does not bother me one bit. You could, you put me in front of a stadium and I, it, it wouldn't bother me. It, I have no fear of that situation at all. I've done it enough times. You know, I, I've learned some, some weird lessons along the way. I don't want to call this a dark moment, but like, 
you know, the, the, um, holding onto a beer as a, as a shield, right? People do that all the time when they're, when they're at large gatherings. Um, I don't do that anymore when I'm at, when I'm at a large gathering because it was such a shield for me that I was always worried I'd get in trouble. And frankly, I don't like the beer at most, uh, free, free beer is worth exactly what you pay for it, in my opinion. So, um, I don't, I don't do it anymore. I give away my drink tickets. I will maybe have a Coke and that's it. So yeah, I, I get that. And there's certainly opportunity to drink as much as you want at some of these events we go to, especially in the early days of these digital conferences. Now it's more ticket based, as you were saying. Many of us have gotten older and we're fine with that. And also we have our own money now. We can pick and choose what food or what drink we want. So it's certainly changed. And, and obviously we have changed over the years as well. So we're in this new and improved Google time with advertising and not just Google, really all the channels. Google's making things quote unquote easier for companies to do things themselves through automation, optimization with extended ads and all these different things to make it easier for someone to go and do it themselves. But how do you see our roles as marketers changing, you know, if at all over the next few years? And that one of the biggest challenges of our industry right now is I still think, um, sorry, Google, but I, this is the truth. Any bit of money that we make as consultants, Google thinks should be their money. Simple as that. What, no matter what it is, right? The fact that we're taking money away from them, um, they view as a virus, whether it's SEO, whether it's PPC management, whether it's, you know, anything along that line, uh, we're the enemy to them. And I, I, I don't think it's necessarily stated out that way. I don't, it may not be thought of that way. Uh, fully, but certainly a lot of the decisions they do have that feel. They view us almost as parasites, and it's not a pleasant place to 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 be like because you can't help but feel like they're trying to brush off that parasite a lot of times. Now I say that that's somewhat the cynical side of me saying that. I, I do also think they want to make it easier to onboard and have small advertisers who can't afford a consultant actually be able to do their stuff um, without too much intervention. So I get where they're going. The reality is at some point, we're either going to be fantastic at marketing, the true marketing side of things, um, or we're obsolete because the automation that they're putting into place in and the machine learning that they're putting into place are things that are going to be frankly above tricks. I, I think we have to be better marketers. You know, I've been, I've been on the uh, the, the speaking tour lately preaching that message, that gospel. Um, and I mean that, that word in profit level kind of stuff, right? Because it's not necessarily things we want to hear. Like, uh, I did a, did a talk in Dallas that was, you know, putting the M back in SEM. And the questions I got were all very, very tactical questions. And I appreciate that people were asking questions about it, but they, they were asking very specific things about the interface. Like, you missed the point. That part is going to go away. What are you writing, blogging, um, tweeting, <laughs> tweeting about or speaking about these days? Does that seem to be where your, your content's focused these days? I've been, I've been focused on two things, right? Like I still love scripts and I still love automation and I still love tag manager and I still love all of those tools, right? But the ability to talk about marketing, my, my background comes from that. Like I, I came from literally the best marketing school on the planet, bar none, I, I get the the true fundamentals of marketing, and I worked in brand marketing. I worked in uh, newspaper, old media. 
I get the translation between old media and new media, and I've been trying to really talk about that a lot more because I see, um, I don't want to call it the apocalypse coming, but I see the changes that are going to happen. And it's going to take away the tacticians a lot more um, and leave us with the the strategists and the conductors and and, and those kind of things. So I've been trying to, to as, as much as possible to bring people to that broader view of marketing. Well, and the other, the other side of that is, uh, cause, because we established we're roughly the same age, all that transition you're talking about, that may be, a, dare I say it, a, after our time. It, it's, it is possible, right? But the pace at which Google, Google works, um, I think it's probably in the next five years that we're going to be, um, we're going to be in a keywordless future in terms of, uh, of the way we manage things. Um, and I've said that for, for, for a while now and uh, it, it's coming, you know, the lack of control, for example, the lack of control that we have on, um, on keywords continues to puzzle people, right? Um, I still see people that are building out skags and they're wondering why they don't work as well as they used to anymore. I'm like, cause it's bleeding all over the place like you think you're just bidding on a single keyword oh yeah that's for sure turns out you're actually bidding on a hundred you know um and that's just gonna get worse i i do a lot in the um i guess more not not non-consumer space b2b and i'm some of that i I feel like it's gonna be at least for the keyword level it's gonna be around a while because i'll give you an example i do one for a a medical recruiting firm so they hire nurses and hire um different people to work in hospitals like things like, like, um, voice search, people looking for jobs. I'm not sure they're going to go to their Google voice or go to their, um, I hate to even say it cause she's listening, Alexa. So I, I'm not sure. I'm sure it's getting there, but I don't think people are going to, you know, sit in their living room and say, find me a, is there a job available that matches my criteria? I feel like there's still going to be keyword, at least for a while, at least keyword level for that type of, industry maybe not the consumer level but more the b2b level still i still think even at the consumer level uh voice search was a little overhyped i think predictive search is where it's at which is which is a different thing entirely when you look at like the the google discover feed and things that are associated with that kind of stuff if you have an android phone like that to me is where the future's at it's uh, like anything in what we do it's all you know, if your if your call to action is good and your message is good and your landing page, it just kind of checks all the boxes. Um, yeah, and, and if you don't do those, it's not going to be exactly good, right. No matter how, no matter what channel you're on. Just like with Google Ads, you know, I've had you probably had this before. People, people that haven't done a lot of this will come to me and say, "We tried Google Ads, you know, years ago, and they didn't work for us." I was like, "Well, did they, or did you, did you not know what you were doing?" Let's let's dive into that and find out. Yeah, I you know I've seen. Um, seen some stuff we had a we had a tool that we we're marketing right um and they they were the same way they they said you know we do um automatic pricing for this product okay so that was one of their big pitches so they bid on the term auto pricing you get where i'm going it wasn't for automotive pricing it was auto pricing automatic pricing but they bid on the term auto pricing and they showed up for people looking at the price of the BMW uh, i8 and people, look, you know, like all this kind of good stuff they were showing. And it was broad match, too. So, I mean, they were they had literally hundreds of dollars crap every day. They're like, that didn't work for us. I'm like, it didn't work for you guys because 
that is a terrible way to manage it. You didn't look at your search query report, which to me is still the most telling thing in an account to know how well it's running. Yeah, for sure. I still look at, um, I mean, literally every day I'm looking at queries. Like, what are, what are people, forget what we're bidding on, and we've got to look at that too, but what are people actually typing in the search engine? It, it's such a great lesson. You know, I, I, um, I get annoyed when they take data away from us on that. You know, the fact that there's other, and especially if I have something that's showing up a thousand times for an irrelevant query, I want it negative out as badly as they do. Right. We are a hundred percent aligned on that. Um, but they have a tendency not to show those queries to us, right? Like if you didn't get a click on an irrelevant query, no matter, unless it's really been searched like hundreds of times, they don't show you that data. And it's frustrating to me because that's one of those places where I'm like, help me help you, Google. Like I, I want that word gone too because it, I know it's irrelevant. Let me teach you. Let me show you that. And I like to, and I like to show clients search queries too. And even though when I show them, sometimes a word will be in there that, um, doesn't belong. And that's usually where their eyes first go. Like, yeah, oh, no, don't, don't bid on that. It's like, then I, you know, then I, then, then it's time for me to open that window of a, you know, a lesson. <laughs> Here's what mm-hmm. we're doing. This is why I'm in your account every day because of words like that. Um, so, uh, you know. Yep. If you notice, there's only one click on it. That's it. And it'll cost you, what, $2. So now it's gone. But how did you go from you're doing this, I guess, working for companies to deciding you're going to start your own thing and do rank camera? Or was that sort of thrust upon you? It was, it was a bit thrust upon me in the best way possible. Meaning my, um, I was in house, um, running uh, all of search for a company. And they came to me and said, you know, you're not going to go any higher in this company. Like, I can't pay you anymore. You know, with the, with the, the, the corporate structure and all that kind of good stuff. But you're making us tons of money, right? You're doing really well. So you go out, you go take your, um, everything you do and go, go do it. Um, you, we will make an agency and we'll be your first client. And, uh, the advantage of that is you'll get smarter faster and you'll help us even more. And um, so they were my first client. Uh, they signed on for a really, really long time. Uh, they are no longer a client anymore. Uh, same one with the NDA, which is why I couldn't talk about um, SEO until recently. Um, but, they, you know, they were a client for a very long time. And that gave us the uh, wind beneath our wings, if you will, to kind of uh, actually start doing what we do. Um, and the second factor was I'd worked with some internal, uh, external agencies before in, you know, two or three other companies that I'd worked with. And there were things that I loved about them, things that I hated about them. And so when I got to found rank, rank camera, I was like, I'm going to fix all of those things. I'm going to not do anything that I hated as in-house. Um, so we're going to make our agency around that. So like, uh, like our value prop is it's only senior folks that, that we're going to work on your account. I don't, I don't hire junior folks. Sorry, junior folks. Um, I, I don't hire them, uh, at all. I am the only account manager because I always hated, uh, talking to the account manager who was, you know, some, you know, 20 something that didn't know a thing about a thing and then had to ask questions. And it took me three days to get an answer for something that was pretty basic. That, that they should have 
do. Uh, really flexible scopes. So there's there's accounts that I've started working on PPC. PPC didn't work, but I'm now full-time SEO on them. Right? Just because, to me, uh, we just work on a um, on an hourly basis. And we do a uh, really simple pricing structure. It's one flat rate no matter who's working on the account. So uh, I can do that because it's... Um, all senior folks and all that kind of good stuff. It, it, that's where some of the uh, the force multiplier has to come in, right? Because that's why I can't write content. So I'm too expensive for it. We at least tried to create a slightly different model than I think a lot of other people use. It, it's worked. It's worked. So when did it go from you to we? Like when did you get? When did you grow beyond just uh, right you away. yourself? Oh, right away. Okay. Yeah, right, right away. I had a business partner that that launched with uh, with me and. Uh, you know, we kind of continued to grow. We had an office for a long time and, um, and, and like several people and uh, we're smaller now, uh, that we're virtual. One, one last question I'd like to ask is what advice would you give a kid going into, you know, either in college or going into college and kind of look into either, you know, be in this sort of marketing space? If it's specific towards the marketing space, I would say take a classic class. And when I say a classic class, I mean a class that's really focused on true fundamentals, uh, 101 kind of good stuff. Uh, e- even now, I will go back and read SEO 101 blogs. I am not SEO 101, no question about it. But I will read them just to see, A, how people are, are talking about it, and B, if there's anything new that I've missed. You know, you have to have the beginner's mindset towards things, and it can be really powerful. Uh, it, it's something I really, really believe in. If you don't know the beginner's mindset, it's an old, it's an old Zen story um, of uh, these. Uh, the Zen student comes and meets the Zen master, and he says, uh, Zen, "You know, I want, I want to be a Zen master like you. Let me tell you all the things I know." And he keeps, and he starts talking. And meanwhile, the um, Zen master grabs a a cup of tea and starts pouring into it as he's talking. And he just, the guy's just the, the Zen student just keeps talking about all the stuff he knows and all the stuff he wants to learn and all this kind of good stuff. The Zen master just keeps pouring the tea as he's talking. And finally the, the, the tea starts overflowing and just flowing on the ground. The Zen master's still just pouring away. And the student finally stops and he goes, Zen master, your, your uh, teacup is overflowing. He goes, this teacup is, is you. You're so full of information that I can't tell you anything else. You have to approach this with a beginner's mindset as an empty teacup. And then you'll learn to be a Zen master. So I I always really kind of come back to that. The fundamentals are always the fundamentals and always will be. Yeah. And then practically speaking, I don't know about you, many of the new clients I get to, they just need fundamentals anyways. I mean, I... I, I, I could come back for I could come back for a conference and I'm speaking on something very complicated, and then I look at their accounts like forget all that stuff I just said. We just need to get basic level ads up and running. Or I've heard people come to me and you know they'll see something SEO related, some complex like link building or something like that. It's like link building is great, but you don't even have a content on your website. <laughs> you gotta yeah. you gotta it, you gotta talk about this stuff. Like you you say you want to whatever air quote ranked for these keywords that keywords nowhere on your website oh yeah we should do that first huh yeah let's do that first <laughs> yeah i think that's a real that's a real reality marketing is one of those things that it's easiest to armchair quarterback 
it's probably the easiest industry in the world to ar- armchair quarterback, right? Oh, you know, like we all watch ads and we immediately become, you know, ad age in, in, and, and, uh, criticize them, right? For whatever, ad- oh, it was terrible. I can't believe they did that. You know, like I, every single time the Chevy guy comes on, um, like his smug attitude just makes my skin crawl. Like, but they work. They've been running those ads for years. So clearly people like him. I just don't. So it's it's a really easy armchair quarterback. It's one of those things that everybody thinks they can do, and they're wrong. Hey, Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Thanks for bringing in your insights into digital marketing and really just marketing in general. And listener, thank you for being a part of today's episode. Be sure to find us online and say hello. As always, I appreciate you making this part of your podcast routine. Subscribe so you're the first to know these new episodes. There's a lot more coming. If you haven't yet, leave me a comment on Apple Podcasts or however you were listening. I'd love to hear from you. You know, reviews and stars are always welcome and always helpful. As mentioned, you can always find the podcast on all the major channels. Join the discussion online. Let's talk about even more marketing. You can find me on Twitter today and every day at John W. Ellis. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon.